Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. For those of you who might not know, my name's Joel. I'm uh, super honored to meet you. I'm the lead uh, teaching pastor across all of our campuses here at Word of Life. And I love what God's doing at Word of Life Fondren on Sunday nights. Uh, this is a special place. It's filled with special people. It's got loads of potential. And I think you can see that. I think you can see the potential with, you know, the worship that comes out of this place. I think you can see the potential of just the, the room and the facility and the location itself. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about it. It's, it's one of those things that I, I honestly love. You know, I didn't do this because I, I needed something else to do. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fairly busy. Um, in life, I did it because I really felt called uh, by the Lord to do it. And honestly, just real quick for a little house business, I'm not trying to have another service. If I was trying to have another service, I would just preach what I preach in all the other services. I, I'm trying to build a church, and building a church is different than having a service. Uh, we have a lot of services across, you know, four campuses. Um, you know, on any given week, there's, I don't know how many services. You got two at Lakeland, you got three at Highland Colony, and you got the others at, uh, here at uh, Point Dexter and Fondren. So we have a lot of services. This is not about having another service. This is about building a church. And a church is different than a service. A service is something like, oh, we'll come to it and, you know, enjoy the word, enjoy the worship, get something out of it. Um, a church is where we put something in it and not just um, get something out of it. And our churches, all of them, and I'm looking for this church because that's what this is. This is not a service. This is a church. has five key components. All of Word of Life have five key components. We go. We go. Uh, and somebody says, well, what is go? We go on mission trips. Uh, we go share our faith. We talk about Jesus. And we invite people to our church. Across all of our campuses, the number one way people hear about our church is not through advertisements or billboards. We do our part with that. It's by people bringing people to church. And I'm telling you, your faith will come alive when you bring somebody to church. When you are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it does something in your soul and in your life. We go. Second value, we grow. And somebody says, well, how do you grow? By making church attendance a priority. Uh, Paul wrote, he says, you grow by hearing the sincere milk of the word of God. There is no time when the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is being preached that your spirit is not growing. Like we need to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful for all of you who listen to podcasts or Sunday PMs or some of our most podcasted services that we do. Thankful for all the people who listen by podcasts. But I'm telling you, there's something about being in the room. Uh, there's something about being there for worship. There's something about the sacrifice it takes to, to get yourself here. I'm telling you, it matters. Uh, and so um, you got to understand, Word of Life Church is not Joel Sims Ministries. Uh, if it was Joel Sims Ministries, I wouldn't hire all the people I hired <laughs> to, to put on church. Um, you know, that kind of thing. This is a church. This is a body. 
And so even when I'm not here, that doesn't mean that good word and good teaching and good preaching is not going forward. And I'm thankful that I get to be a part of the preaching and teaching. And and honestly, as pastor and lead teaching pastor, uh, the main part of teaching and preaching. But we have so many gifts in the body of Christ that every single Sunday night, there is going to be a great word with someone who has prepared both naturally and spiritually. And I want to invite you to just make it a priority. Uh, Just like me, if I'm here, I'll be here. If I'm in town, I'll be here. And same with you. Like, if you are here, make this your church. Make this your assembly and make church attendance a priority. You will grow if you do. Thirdly, partner. And I know no one likes to talk about money, but it's just the way it is. Where your treasure is, your heart is. And I want to encourage you to give a little something to Word of Life Fodren. Amen. Even those of you who are listening by podcast, give a little something to Word of Life Fondren. Why? Because we don't receive uh, spiritual things and not give our natural things to it. We honor spiritual things, and the more we honor spiritual things, the more those spiritual things will mean to us. The more we sow into it, the more we'll get out of it. And so I want to encourage you to begin to partner. And somebody says, well, you know, it's just not my main church, but it's just a little something. Hey, A little something goes a long way. God can take the five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude. And that's what happens when you take what you have and put it in God's hands. And that could be $5. It could be $20. For me, my wife comes here a lot. Uh, and I, I love that when my wife is able to come with me. She's in Florida. She just got back today, actually, um, but came back from Florida, so she couldn't make it. But out of that, I send money here. And somebody says, well, why do you send money here? Because my wife receives from here. And so if my wife receives from here, I need to invest in here. Uh, and so out of that, I, I give uh, to Word of Life, but I also give to Word of Life Fondren. Uh, and so we partner. And then the next value is, is we connect. And, and what does that mean? It means that, like, we come a little early, we stay a little late, and we get to know people. Why? Because we grow by getting around good Christian people. And I'm telling you, you can't do Christianity alone. You need to do it with a flock. You need to do it with some friends. You get, need to get to know some people and invest in those relationships. And so I want to encourage you to do that. We connect. We come a little early. We stay a little late. We come a little early. We stay a little late. We get to know some people. And then lastly, we serve. And, and as we serve, what that just simply means is the greatest among us is the servant of all. I'm going to do something to make this place better. I'm going to do something uh, to make this place help somebody else. And if we all do those five things, I'm telling you, God's going to do something right in the heart of Fondren that literally will change this community. I'm so thankful that we got a great bowling alley and a movie theater. Amerigo's is coming in over there. Yes, Italian. Come on, somebody. I like it. Um, You know, we've got some new exciting things. But you know what? I'm thankful for a movie and I'm thankful for good food. But there's nothing like a good church. right in the middle of what God's doing. And that's what we're building. We're not just building a service. This is not a service. We are building a church, building a church. And I want to encourage you, go on this journey with us by embracing those five things. We go, we grow, we partner, we connect, and we serve. Amen, amen, amen. Open up your Bibles if you brought them to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse number 10. And if you can go ahead and put that up in the Amplified, that would be great. We're talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Last week we talked about desire. 
This week, I want to talk about peace. Peace. Ephesians 2 and verse number 10. Paul writes here and he says, For we are God's workmanship. That's awesome. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, let's read this again. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You got to get that verse in your heart. You are God's workmanship. What does that mean? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God gave you gifts, talents, and anointings. Gifts, talents, and anointings. Somebody says, well, what does that mean? Abilities. There are things that you can do that I can't do. Uh, There are things that I can do that you can't do. There are things that not only I, I can do in the natural, but I'm anointed by God to do it. I can handwrite a message, and I know the whole thing. I've got it memorized. I don't have to look at notes, any of those kinds of things. If I handwrite it, I got it. Well, what is that? That's a gift. Why do I have that gift? For the predestined work. I don't just have that gift where I can be like, I can handwrite it and I've got it memorized. I've got it for something. And some of you have the ability to lead. Some of you, like my wife, has this beautiful gift and grace of of just compassion. I, I mean, she is like so compassionate on a level that like astounds me. I'm like, it is dangerous to care that hard. Like, maybe even unwise, uh, but she's just got it. Why? For her grace and for the predestined works that God has assigned her to do. You were put here on, you got to get this. And I know I've been saying this a lot, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to move off on it until it gets in your heart. You were put here by God for something. There is something you were supposed to, not just something, many things you were supposed to do before you leave this earth. And, and we have emphasized living long, and I'm all for living long, but that is not the Bible emphasis. The Bible emphasis is not length of days. The Bible emphasis is you finish what God puts you here to do. And when you finish, you want to leave because to be with Christ is far better than being here on the earth. And Paul said, look, I would love to go. He said, I've seen heaven. I would love to go, but there's still some things I need to do while I'm in this body. And Jesus, we talked about this. When Jesus was on the cross, his last words, what were they? It is finished. Not I am finished. It, what God put me here to do on the earth, I did it. Why did John the Baptist die and was beheaded? Because he was done. He was finished. And so out of that, we want to die, as Miles Monroe said, we want to die empty. That all these predestined works, let's read it again. Ephesians 2 verse 10, you are his workmanship. What does that mean? Designed by God with gifts, talents, abilities. Why? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And this is why we said, if you, if you view life as like, man, I need to decide what I want to do when I grow up. And I've got to decide where I'm going to live. And I've got to decide who I'm going to marry. And I've got to decide what job to take. And ah, so many decisions. It's not about decisions. It's about discovery. 
Because these works were planned for you before you were in your mother's womb. God knew you and appointed you to do something. And so out of that, he predestined these works, gave you gifts and talents to get those works done, that you would walk in them. Not that you will, but hopefully you will. And out of that, understand that God made you for something. Look at this in the Amplified. For we are his workmanship... His own masterwork, a work of art. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a work of art. You you are a work. I'm trying to help some of the single people tonight. You are a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works. Watch this. Which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set which he set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. God has works set for you. Now, now let me just, <clears throat> and there's so much here. How much time have you spent finding out what they are? How much time have you pulled aside to be like, God, you've got some things set for me. Like prearranged before I ever breathed a breath on this earth. There is something you sent me here to do. Like literally gave me a talent for. Gave me an anointing for. How much time do you set aside to find what that is? Uh, One of my spiritual mentors said this. He said, many people live and die and never get into the first thing God called them to do. Live and die and never get into the first thing God called him to do. And I say that's amplified in America. You know why? Because in America, we live for one thing, comfort. The American dream is comfortable. And, and then it's coined, and you hear it all the time in Christianity. It's like the safest place in all the world is right in the middle of God. Tell that to Paul. Shipwrecked, beaten, John the Baptist, beheaded, Jesus, cross. It's not about comfort. It's about finding what God has called me to do and then paying whatever price it takes to get that done. But he said many people live and die and never get into the first thing God called them to do. And and then he said this. You know why? He said either, number one, they never took the time to find it. They never took the time to find it. They never took the time to find it. Or he said, number two, when they find it, they're hopelessly unfaithful to it. And somebody says, what does that mean? It means they know what it is, but they just refuse to do it. And I met people like that. Years ago, there was a guy. We used to do Saturday prayer. I don't know if some of you remember that on Highway 18. Uh, but it, Saturday prayer, we'd do it. And for a like, consecutive streak in a row uh, on Saturday prayer, there was this guy that the Lord kept calling out and told him, like emphasized to him. And he agreed because anytime you get direction from the outside, you want to see, does that match the direction on the inside? Because the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit. Uh, Romans 8 verse 16. And so out of that, um, the Holy Spirit was bearing witness with his spirit that he was called by God to be a missionary in Africa. Like over and over and over and over and over again. And we'd take trips, he'd go, we'd take trips, and he'd go. And he's like, I'm supposed to be here, I'm supposed to move here, make promises to move there, promises family. Never did it. Never did it. And, and he knew it, but he wouldn't pay the price for it. 
And, and he knew to do it, but he would not do it. Just hopelessly unfaithful to it. And so many people, I think in, in, in this series, what God is trying to do is like, we got to wake up. And realize, like, this is not about how can I make 10 more K a year. This is not about how, I, how can I get in a nicer car, a nicer house. There's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with nice things. But here's what we have to see. You were put here for something specific. And if we would give half the attention to finding out what that is instead of just making more money or upward mobility, if we would pull aside and be like, Spirit of the living God, what did you put me here to do? Show me, guide me, lead me. I'm telling you, we'd be activated in our graces. And out of that, the work that we would do would not only serve our fellow man incredibly well because it's God's will, but it would also bring provision into our lives. Uh, For instance, in my life, I know, know, without a shadow of a doubt, there's a work for me to do in some shape, form, or fashion in Costa Rica. For years, it's come up in my heart and my prayer journals. This past week, I'm in my prayer journal kind of going through it because I'm trying to do this thing where I tithe my time. And this is not me being braggy. It's just trying to help uh, of like out of this, like an hour in God's word, an hour in prayer, and then 40 minutes in a book uh, that's, you know, spiritual. And so out of that, I'm trying to spend more time in prayer. And I'm finally, my kids are old enough. And, and you got you to know the seasons you're in. Uh, like with, with younger kids, man, it was hard. Because uh, you're married and you're focused on that. And then you're also focused on kids. And like they need you a lot. But now my kids need me less and less. It's a little sad. Uh, but out of that, they need me less and less. And it, it's freeing me up to pray a little bit more. And to be in God's word a little bit more. And so out of this, I've been trying to pray more. And, and just give more and more of myself to the Lord. And out of that, I've been going through a lot of my prayer journals. And one of the things I have seen that I have neglected is there's something for me in Costa Rica. Somebody says, what is it? I don't know. Somebody says, well, why don't you know? I haven't taken the time to find it. But I know there's something for me there. Maybe it's retirement. I don't, I'm kidding. I'm not going to retire. Uh, but like, I, it just kept coming up. And so I saw it, and I'm like, I've got to seek that. So somebody says, what do you do? You talk it out, you walk it out, you pray it out. You talk it out with spiritual people. You want to get around spiritual people. I'm like, I got Costa Rica on my heart. So I called John, uh, and because John knows a lot of missionaries, our camp, online campus pastors from Columbia. Uh, and so out of that, I'm like, John, you know anybody in Costa Rica? Like, there's something for me there. And you pray it out. You talk it out. You pray it out. Father, okay, what is this? There's something for me there. And then you walk it out. I call those missionaries. I'm like, I'm coming to Costa Rica. You tell me, when's a good time for you? I'll fly down, my own dime. I don't want to preach for you unless you want me to. But I just want to get with you and pray. And so I did all that this week. I did all that. And somebody says, why would you do that? Because God's got something for me there. It's a prearranged work that he put in the earth. Something I'm supposed to do in that nation. And I'm not going to stand before the Lord Jesus and be like, yeah, I know you put that in my heart. Well, what would you do with it? Well, I just got so busy I didn't do anything with it. You know what that is? That's the guy with one talent taking the one thing God put in his heart and burying it. And I'm telling you, you got to be intentional about finding what the will of God is for your life because God has prearranged works for you to do and graced you to do those works. 
And so we've got to yield more and more to the Spirit. We've got to seek more and more. We've got to discover, not decide. We've got to get out of our heads and into our hearts. We've got to come to this place of solitude and come to this place of the Spirit and let the Spirit of God begin to speak to us. This is critical in our lives and critical in our hearts that we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into these things. Uh, so we've got these prearranged works. And so the question is, well, what do I do? Like, how do I find it? What does that look like? I've got a prearranged work. God's put me here on the earth to do something, something for him. What does that look like? How do I go about finding it? What does guidance mean? So last week we talked about desire. This week I want to talk about peace. Watch this in Hebrews. I'll put this up on the screen. Not Hebrews, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. In verse 15, this is in the Amplified. It says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of the one who walks daily with you, be the controlling factor in your heart, deciding and settling questions that arise to this peace, indeed you are called, as members in one body of believers, and be thankful to God always. Now watch this. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm, be the controlling factor. So there are questions all the time that arise in your mind. Should I do this? Should I not do this? Questions. What do I have? God, what do you have for me in Costa Rica? Like, God, what do you have for me this? You want me in this or out of this? You want me to do this? You not want me to do this? Questions that arise in your mind. And he says the thing that should decide with finality those questions is the inner peace that is in your heart. And so out of this, uh, we want to be trained to be led by the peace of our hearts, and we want to get out of the, the pressure of our mind and our flesh. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, if you're not familiar with that verse, I encourage you to write it down and look at it, teaches us that we're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. Everyone say spirit, soul, and body. Three-part being. It's funny, tonight I had dinner with a weatherman, seriously, planned. And so, like, I, I was going to do premarital counseling with him. He's like, ah, I can't come. I'm like, why? He's like, they tell me weather's coming in. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, so out of that, uh, never mind. Like, if it rains a lot, we're fine in here. Uh, so, no, I'm not going to keep you too long, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, so, but, but out of that, three things, spirit, soul, and body. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, you live in a body. The voice of your spirit is your conscience. It's your conscience. The voice of your mind is logic and reason. The voice of your body is feelings and emotion. Each person in this room right now has a dominant voice. Some of you are logically thinking, how hard is it going to rain? Should I have come tonight? What does this look like? What time will we get out? What am I going to eat for dinner? Some of you, it's emotion. It's like the fear of like, I've got, you know, I had dinner actually somebody with last week and they're like, I don't like thunderstorms. You know, when it does thunder, like I feel it and I don't like it. And there's fear and concern and is everything going to be okay? We each have a dominant part of us. So you see Eve in the garden, what's she leaning on? The voice of reason. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. The enemy comes and attacks her mind. Did God really say, don't eat of this? He gets her in the arena of reason. For Samson, when he misses it, what what voice is he listening to? Emotion. Voice of his body. 
He wants what he wants. He's not putting it under. He sees clearly like this girl. Every time I tell her the secret of my strength, she's attacking me in that area. But he wants what he wants. And the, the body, every time you yield it and ate the whole pack of Oreos, that was your body telling you to. Uh, this week, uh, man, I was trying to eat so clean this week. And my son is like trying to gain weight. And so, like, I'm trying to eat, like, chicken for dinner, and he's over there crushing a cinnamon roll. And, like, the whole, and not only a cinnamon roll, he got cookie two-step, bluebell, cookie two-step, and put it on a hot cinnamon roll. I'm like, who even thinks of this combination, son? And I'm watching this, and I'm smelling this, and what's talking to me in that moment? Anybody know? The body. It's like, man, put ice cream on a cinnamon roll right now. Why stop there? Add whipped cream. You know, whole nine yards. So we each have a dominant part of us. The Spirit of God will lead you with peace, but most people aren't led with peace because the other voices are speaking so loud. The voice of the spirit is the still, small voice. The voice of the flesh and the mind, it's the, it's the thunder. It's the, the fire. It's the big stuff. God is the still, small voice. And the reason why we don't feel the peace of God is we live such chaotic, pressure-filled, loud lives. And if you want to get God's peace and guidance, you've got to create an atmosphere of peace around you. You've got to take the time to build peace around you, to sense God's peace in you. Uh, Let's go over and look at this in John chapter 11. You'll see Jesus uh, kind of live this out. Uh, It's it's pretty fascinating uh, how Jesus lived, and we mentioned this today, uh, that Jesus is God made manifest in the flesh. So the whole time he's showing us uh, who God is. But at the same time, he's also showing you how to interact with God. And he's showing you how to live life as a Christian effectively. And Jesus is going to show us in John chapter 11 how to be led uh, by the Spirit of God. And so in John 11, we looked at this on our series on righteousness on Sunday mornings. Uh, But watch this in in verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent words to him saying, Lord, now watch this. Behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, immediately when you love someone and they're sick, what part of you is talking very loudly? The body. Yes, heard someone say it. Emotion. You have fear. And here, the reason why they're calling on him is because he's bad sick. In fact, he's so bad sick, he dies. And so when you've got someone you love who's very sick, what do you feel? You feel emotion. And all the voice of the body is emotion, fear, panic, all those things. Then the voice of reason will kick in. Logic, how can we beat this? Who can we call? What doctors are available? Ah, Jesus will write a letter, send for Jesus. Logic and the body are speaking incredibly loud here. And they're playing on Jesus' emotions literally in the letter. It's like the one you love is sick. And what is Jesus feeling in this moment? Pressure. Pressure to do what? Come right now. And anytime you feel pressure, I want you to immediately do what Jesus did here. He does not respond to it. He does not feel like he's got to immediately call back. 
He doesn't feel like he's got to immediately run to the hospital. As soon as he feels this pressure, you know what he knows he needs? Guidance. And so in this moment, he he pauses and watch how this plays out in, in verse number three. So the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, so that the son of man may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister Lazarus. And when he heard he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Now, the disciples said unto him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now going to stone you. Are you going to go there again? Now, let's just play out here. What are they thinking? They're thinking logically. And they're like, okay, to get to the one that you love who's sick, they're playing on your emotions, Jesus. But to get through the place you got to get through in order to get there, they just tried to kill us. And so now he's got this other voice of logic trying to like play and like be like, are you sure you want to go this way? Once again, the pressure. It's like, do I want to go that way? What does this look like? And this happened to Jesus all the time. They throw down a woman caught in adultery and they would only give him two bad options and try to logically only give him two choices. And Jesus is like, I'm not taking that pressure. So instead of like just playing by the rules of the two choices you're presenting me, let me lean on my spirit and see in here on the inside, what do I need to do in this moment? What we want to do when we feel pressure is pause and look for peace. I'm not going to be moved by pressure. I'm pulling away from pressure. I'm pausing and I'm looking for peace. And so Jesus here, he's like, no, no we're going. And, and watch his logic as to why they are. He says this in verse number nine. And Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? Meaning when it's light outside, you have 12 hours. When it's dark outside, you have 12 hours. And he said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks at night, he stumbles, watch this, because the light is not in him, not on him, in him. What is Jesus saying? He said, when this pressure came, I didn't respond to it. Instead, I waited and I got peace. When I got peace, I got light in me. I know this is the time to go. And you're thinking logically, well, the last time you went this way, they're trying to kill you. It's like, I'm not thinking logically. I'm talking to the one who knows the future better than you know the past. And in the past, I know they tried to kill us. But in the future, God has shown me I'm going straight there and it's going to be okay. And he says, well, how do you know? Because he said, when you have the light in you, there is no occasion of stumbling. When you walk in darkness and just run out in pressure to go make a move, he says, you have an occasion to stumble. But when you get light, that peace on the inside of you, that's when you begin to take the step forward. And somebody says, well, what if I don't get that peace? You don't do anything. You wait for that light to come in you. You are letting the peace of God guide you and direct you. So let me give you in closing just four quick steps to produce peace in your life. Four quick things to get God's peace and guidance there. Number one, here's what we're going to do. Number one, how do I see peace? Number one, I'm going to prioritize solitude. 
You know why the peace of God is not leading and guiding us? Because we have no peace around us. Um, If you are going to be led by the Spirit of God, you need to prioritize peace around you. When you watch Jesus live, I can't, well, let me just give you some verses and we'll show it to you because I was about to say I can't tell you how many times. Actually, I can literally tell you how many times, but I would rather show you some of the times. Go over to Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Jesus is making a major decision here. Somebody says, what's the decision? He's picking his disciples. Pretty big deal. Watch what he does before he makes the decision. Luke 6 and verse 12. He can't miss it on this one. He's got to choose right. Verse 12, Luke 6. It was at this time Jesus went off to the mountain, went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples to him. He chose 12 of them. And he also named as apostles. And it goes on who they were. But do you see his pattern? He's like, I need to make a big decision. What do I do? I need to pull away. I need to go into a mountain. I need to have solitude. I need to spend a night alone with God in prayer. How often are you alone with God in prayer? Think about even Jesus' terminology. He said, and when you pray, what do you do? You go into your prayer closet and do what when you're in there? Shut the door. What's he saying? Eliminate distraction. You know how distracted we are? We can't go five minutes in prayer without picking up our phone. We, we come to this place where we're constantly needing outside, here's the thing, outside direction, outside entertainment, outside guidance, outside noise. And the outside is talking so loudly to our mind and flesh that we are not hearing on the inside what God is trying to speak. When Jesus was trying to make decisions, especially in moments where there was a lot of outside pressure, he would always eliminate the distraction from the outside and go to a place where the inside voice, the voice of the Spirit, could speak loudly into his heart. So he pulls away. He literally, many times, would climb a mountain, literally climb a mountain to get away from some of the noise around him to create an environment of peace. We're in Luke 6. Go to Luke 5. Luke 5 and verse 15, just right next door. But the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds are gathering to hear him. What Life's getting very busy. Life's getting very loud. Life's getting very demanding. There's a lot of pressure. Great crowds are, are hearing of him, and they're coming to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often, often, Slip away into the wilderness and pray. The outside pressure is increasing. The outside noise is increasing. What did Jesus do? He'd slip away. And somebody says, well, when did he do it? Often. That he would often slip away and go find solitude. When you study the life of Jesus, and I've got like literally all the verses here written out. I I won't take you to all of them. But you see, Jesus, when he felt pressure, John the Baptist dies. He's like, we need to get out of here. He's feeling grief. He's knowing what's going on in his soul. And he pulls away from it. He's like, we need to go to the desert. Jesus would go to the desert. He'd go to the mountain. He'd go to the garden. And he'd go to the ocean. I'm like, I want to be Jesus when I grow up. Like, Jesus would prioritize these places of solitude. 
He would prioritize these moments of being alone with God. When he was searching for the will of God in his own life, remember right before the cross, he's like, not my will, but your will be done. What did he do? He went to a garden and he walked away from all the noise. And he got with God in a secret place and felt God's peace, felt God's comfort. His mind is warring against him. He's trying to find the peace of God on the inside. And so out of that, he goes into a garden, he pulls away from the noise, and he continues all night in prayer. And these types of things are missing from our life. Like we can't go minutes without some type of noise, without some type of distraction. And the spiritual life demands a pull away. It demands time in nature. It demands walks with the Lord. Like you got to be like Enoch and just walk with God. Like when's the last time you went to a park and just left your phone in the car and just sat there with God and sat there with peace around you to look for the peace within you? Uh, you you got to go, like literally take a, a, a walk through nature. Maybe you need to pull away and just go to the beach for a couple of days. I have received guidance from God when I pulled away. Like one time I went to the desert. I told you guys that story of just Santa Fe. I, I went to Santa Fe, New Mexico, got in the desert and got direction for my life in that season. It was during COVID. I'm like, I've got to hear from God about what to do with the church. I, I went there, got direction. Uh, When I felt there was a season in my life where I felt grace lifting from me, my job, this job was getting very hard for me. And I knew like, this is not God. Something is off. And somebody says, well, what did you do? I went to the beach and I sat down on the beach. I sat in a chair and watched my kids play where I just surrounded myself with peace and listened to the waves come in. I prayed in the spirit and God showed me a vision. And in the vision, I saw what was wrong. I I saw that there was priorities in my life that needed to be rearranged, most notably my support of missions. And God showed me, like, if I would do that, he would send people in my life who would be a grace and a supply to me. I made a decision to do it, and five weeks later, two businessmen paid off Lakeland Drive. They're like, what? but how did that come? That came from me recognizing I'm missing something. I, I, I am his workmanship. I'm graced and anointed for a specific work. And I'm doing the work, but I ain't feeling his grace. And instead of living that way for seven years, I pulled away to go find what is it? What is wrong with my life? And I went to go pull away with God, found solitude, found peace, found God. And and Jesus said he did this often. How often are you alone with God? How often are you alone with no noise but the voice of the Spirit? When Samuel heard from God, I didn't, I, I've read this scripture, t- taught on it for years. When God calls Samuel's voice, you, I, I don't know how I missed it. It said he was laying down in the same room with the Ark of the Covenant. He's laying down right next to the presence of God. And in laying down, when he got still and he got quiet, he heard God speak and call his name, Samuel. Jesus' ministry began with guidance in a wilderness. Paul, he sees Jesus. You know what happens after he sees Jesus? It's not, go get him, tiger. It's three years in Arabia, getting direction, not confronting with any disciple, not talking to any other person, but having three years where he's fellowshipping with the Lord in anonymity completely unseen by anyone. 
But God was working something in him. And I'm telling you, the reason why we don't have the peace of God directing us is because our lives are filled with anything but peace. There's noise all around us. There's pressure all around us. There's take me here and take me there and do this work and do these things. And Jesus knows there's a lot of pressure in life. And he's like, sometimes you just got to say, I got to get away. I've got to pull away from these things and I'm finding peace. And I want to encourage you, go on that journey for yourself. When you need direction, create peace around you to find the peace within you. Create peace around you to find the peace within you. The psalmist wrote, he said, when I'm on my bed and the night watches, what's the night? Everything is still Everything is quiet. He said, when I'm on the bed and the night watches, he said, the Lord tries my heart like reins, reins on a horse. He said, the Lord is dealing with my heart on the bed in the night watches. And I want to encourage you, find that place of peace in your own life. Create peace on the outside of you and look for peace on the inside of you. Number two, I want you to feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. What what do you mean by that? With the word of God. In those moments of peace, focus on the word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says the word of God is quick and powerful. It's like a two-edged sword that divides the soul and the spirit. When you're looking at the word of God, meditating on the word of God, like a sword, it'll cut through. The biggest question I get is like when it comes to this. It's like, Pastor Joel, how do I know if it's me or God? How do I know if it's me or God, Pastor Joel? The word of God is like a two-edged sword. It divides, Hebrews 4 and 12 says, it divides the soul from the spirit. And so when you begin to meditate God's word, it's the same thing. Like if you hear me preach all the time and you're walking through a superstore and I'm like, Bill! And you turn, it's like you, before you even see my face, it's like, Pastor Joel, why? you've heard my voice so much. And when you're in scripture all the time, you're familiarizing yourself with the voice of God. If you you missed this morning, I talked about how I had a vision yesterday. And this is not something that's uncommon. Um, And how it worked is yesterday I got away. I had a moment where it was just me and the Lord, a place of, of privacy, a place of peace. This is the same place I go to in my own house. It's my prayer closet. I can shut the door from all distraction. People know when I'm in there, I'm with the Lord. I'm looking for peace. And so uh, yesterday, on Saturday, I always do this for uh, service. I'm meditating on the word that I'm going to share. And I'm meditating on this word of how, like, God wants our heart and our giving. And as I'm meditating on it, it comes up in my heart, um, my, my wife. She just had a miracle in her life. It was a small miracle, but it was one that was significant. Uh, There was something in her life a couple of years ago that she lost. My son accidentally threw it away. It was a purse. Uh, We were moving. It was in some boxes. He thought the boxes were all empty. It wasn't. One had her purse in it. He threw it away. She felt awful and would not let me buy her that purse because she felt bad, like it was responsible for it, like she was responsible for it. And so out of that, um, um, two weeks ago, some church members came up to me, and they're like, in service, my wife said, uh, turned to me and looked and said, there's something we're supposed to buy for Pep. It's a purse, and there's a story behind it. And he said, my wife's just learning how to hear from God, but this is so big on my heart. And I'm like, there is. There is a purse, and there is a story behind it. 
And this year, at the start of this year, I wrote down every day in my Bless My Wife account fund. I have a fund set aside. It's nothing but Bless My Wife. That's the name of the account. I'm going to bless my wife. Amen. 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 Uh, and so out of that, the first thing I wanted to bless my wife with was a purse. And I'm like, this is a significant item. I want to get it to her for Christmas. I'm going to set aside money for it. I'm going to believe God for it. So I looked at that every day. And he's calling me, telling me about this purse. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is such a God story. Um, you know, all those kinds of things. So I'm meditating on all this. She bought the purse. Well, at the same time, she felt really impressed. It was her dad's birthday here recently to honor him for his birthday with hundreds of dollars. And so out of that, she said, I just feel impressed to, to do it. And he wanted to go see his family in Texas to like pay, pay his way to go see his family in Texas and all those types of things. There was just some relatives that he was a little distant from, wanted to close that gap. My wife, my wife you know, I want to do this. She's like, can we? I'm like, if you got it on your heart, let's do it. And so all of this is coming into my heart while I'm meditating the word. I'm thinking about this woman who's like so in love with Jesus. She's given everything to him, given everything to the house, giving everything to the treasury. And I'm meditating on this. And these stories start coming to my heart. And then the Lord links up of like, do you know why I was able to give her that purse? It's because she gave to her father like she did. And I'm thinking about, because I actually told her, okay, like if we give that to your father, we got a budget for it. So there's other areas we have to take from in order to pay for that and that type of thing. And the, the Lord said, well, you had that money set aside in your bless, bless your wife fund that now because that purse was given to her by me, you can take that bless your wife fund and, and you know, pay back the account for taking that out for the, uh, the, the, the uh, budget. You can put money in there to make up for the budget. And then give the rest of it to this person. And he tells me a missionary. Now, all of this is in an environment of peace. I haven't seen anything. It's just a knowing in my heart. These stories are coming to my attention. These things are coming up in my heart. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like how you were able to do that. And then you were able to do that. And anyway, so I'm just thinking about this. Just think, rolling all of this over in my, my mind, listening to my heart. Instead of my mind just listening to more mind, my mind is paying attention to my heart. Because the soul of you will live forever. Your body will pass away, but your spirit and soul are eternal. Somebody says, well, what does that mean? It means when you get to heaven, you'll know one another. And you'll know what happened on the earth too. You remember in Lazarus when Jesus was telling the story about Lazarus, the guy who was laid and people licked his wounds and all that type of thing, went to Abraham's bosom and the rich man who ignored him. The rich man, when he was in hell, had a memory. He knew who Lazarus was. He knew who Abraham was. He knew his brothers on the earth. And so out of that, though, I don't want to be a slave to my mind. I want to make my mind listen to my spirit. And so these things are coming up in my heart, and I'm taking my mind to those things that are coming on my heart. And as I'm doing this, I have a vision. And somebody says, well, what's the vision like? Don't over-spiritualize it. It's not like a full-fledged movie. It's kind of like if you've ever looked at film, how you have stills, that like if you, you go through the stills real fast, it turns into a moving picture that kind of thing, I see a moving picture. And it's not like with my eyes open. My eyes are closed. I'm in a dark space. I'm just time with God and peace. I want to sur surround myself with peace and look for peace on the inside of me. It's like a moving picture. And I see this, this missionary in years past giving to other missionaries. And I see him doing it. And then I see the present. And in the present, 
He's looking at an empty account. And in his heart, he wants to bless his wife. And I see it. And like immediately, I know, like I need to take the money, the extra money. After I've reimbursed the account, take the extra money and give it all to this missionary. And tell him to bless his wife. And then it's gone. And somebody's, here's what, I think this happens to people more than they know. But they think it's just them. And you know why they think it's just them? It's because they, they're so in an environment with noise that it drowns out the peace of God on the inside of them. And then it happens so quick that the, the, the soul overrides the spirit and it makes them think, ah, it's just me. And so out of this, I see all this. And then, like I said today, I text him. I'm like, if I wanted to bless you personally, what's the best way to get the money to you? And I'm waiting, 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 waiting. Finally, he texts back and he's like, uh, cash app. I'm like, Awesome. I told him, I didn't tell him I had a vision or any of those types of things. So I'm going to give you some money, and it's to bless your wife. And I go and cash 